0: In the context of what we do, if this week a leader responds, next week the person is eight times more likely to participate again than if the leader had said nothing the week before.
1: Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is
2: so incredibly powerful.
0: Not defending just the tribe, but defending the
2: organization.
1: Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking.
2: good experience pays dividends down the line. Here is a to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Ben Eubanks here, host of we Only Human. So glad to have you here with us today. And it's going to be a great conversation. I have not one, but two phenomenal guests here joining me for the conversation. Mike and Ruby from Joyous. And we're going to talk about feedback. We're going to talk about psychological safety. We're going to talk about creating the right environment for feedback, because we always want to instinctively go to, how do I get my managers to give more feedback? What's the technique or the tool, the strategy? And in some cases, there's something else that's preventing that from happening and you can do all the, the, the wonderful things you want to over there and never quite get at that root issue. So we're going to talk about some of those things in the conversation today. Mike, Ruby, welcome to the conversation.
0: Hello. Hey, ben. Hello.
2: It's good to be here. Awesome. I'm so yeah, glad nice you're both to, here.
0: Yeah, it's awesome to be on this talk today. It's my first podcast, I think, ever.
2: All right. We will we'll make it excruciating for you, Ruby. And <laughs> awesome. <to> make- <laughs> Now we'll let you go first. So I'd love for you to tell oh, us, no. take a minute or no, take a minute or so. Tell us who you are, what you do and give us some background on Ruby.
0: Yeah, I joined Joyous in January last year as head of product and I look after product data science and delivery here at Joyous. And in the short form version is I'm just totally living my best life here at Joyous. We do such awesome work and yeah, it's awesome to be involved with Mike and Phil and the rest of the team you're doing. Things like making life better for people
2: at work what a privilege you've picked a small mission there to try to tackle yeah as you can tell we're going to have so much fun in this conversation i can't wait mike give everybody the the heads up on who you are and what you do sir look
1: okay, i'm a, a co-founder at Joyus, which yeah, ruby mentioned where we where we do employee feedback for uh, for large agile organizations and I've got gosh i've been in the hr tech stack for too long i think yeah I spent a while in performance management company, Sonar 6, and then spent a while working for Cornerstone On Demand. And, and by a while, I guess that was more than a decade ago now that started. Gosh, I, I guess I'm a kind of HR tech old hand now.
2: <laughs> don't they say like on the resume when it's more than 10 years old, you don't talk about it anymore? Isn't that the rule? Yeah, I think you're right. Point? Yeah, <laughs> That one falls yeah. off the page and we got to add something new. No.
1: Well, that's <laughs> why I'm doing something new. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, goodness. All right. We're having a lot of fun. We're kidding a lot. We're going to talk about some serious things though, in the conversation because I, it is my goal to help talent and business leaders that really care about their people to do it better essentially. And that's what you're doing through the product and through the the service you're providing to, to the employees you work with. And one of the things we were chatting about before we started recording for everyone out there, sometimes I'm like, I should have hit the record button earlier. One of the things we're talking about is this idea of psychological safety. And I'd love for you to, to touch on that, Mike, as it pertains to the conversation today, because we have lots of questions again around best practices, what works, how to be more agile, and how to use feedback as part of that. But I think that if we don't get that part right, then we're going to we're going to struggle and we might never be successful ultimately. So talk a little bit about that piece and that role there, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So look, psychological safety, just to define it is is where you create an environment where team members feel safe to take risks and be, be vulnerable in front of each other. I and mean, that, that's, that's what psychological safety is. That's what the safety is. And it's interesting. If you look at, there's a project that Google did, which which might, uh, yeah, and a bunch of your listeners are probably familiar with, which is Project Aristotle, where they looked at all the different factors and teams which lead to a good or, or poor performance of the team. And they found that psychological safety just basically won over everything, right? So if you create this environment where people, you know, felt safe using their voices and, and felt that what they said was going to be listened to, then, you know, you got, much better team performance. And so we've started to see you know, like when people in culture teams and, in, and, at a, you know, in the C-suite generally, this idea now that the fashion of just chasing culture and knowing that culture is linked to productivity has started to shift to this idea that, hey, actually we're trying to create psychological safety, but it's, you know, it's early days. I would say that, you know, and when we were talking about it before, it's, it's a little bit like when people started dealing with wellbeing, you know, when people started to realise that wellbeing was important. Yeah, gosh, that's a strange thing to say, isn't it? When people started to realise that well-being was important. But yeah, when that became much more of a much more of a trend, people really were dealing with people who were languishing. That's where they were. That's where they were hitting it. And yeah, you know, people who had mental health challenges or other kind of challenges, and they worked working on that. And that's certainly important stuff to do. But a lot of the real benefits to, to corporations came about and, and to, to people and to society when they started focusing on the middle, on actually helping everyone flourish. And I think that's the same thing with psychological safety. You've seen people address the bullying end of the spectrum, but like that's the, really unsafe here end of the spectrum. But my, my day-to-day work is just trying not to be shouted at and trying not to be fired kind of end of the spectrum. And actually now they're starting to focus on the middle and go, yeah, how do you actually get rid of all of these standard kind of enterprise behaviors that, that are really designed to make people feel their voices less valued that you know that speaking up is unsafe and all of the daily microaggressions that are just part of work, accepted as part of work life how do you actually remove that because once you create psychological safety like goodness gracious like you know, suddenly you have so much more power coming out of your employee base Ruby
2: what are your thoughts on that you are working on building a product that helps people to give feedback and again is this a lever that you that you think about And you're working through this like we want people to be able to give this feedback any other comments or thoughts on that before we jump in because i have not paraphrase I which I had the quote in front of me but i have a paraphrase to share from a book that i read many years ago that stuck with me around how this ties in but uh, what are your thoughts on this obviously this is
0: something that everyone here at joyous you know lives and breathes we think about psychological safety all the time and in the context of what we do which is basically as mike said this open employee feedback tool so open is a big part of that because we are suggesting that people give their honest feedback openly in our platform and that their leaders and other people in the organization can see not only their feedback but their name right next to it but you use joyous to increase the trust in your environment or to just support it even reinforce the message further that you can leverage the honest feedback that people give you to make your business even better. And so I really care a lot about how do we help support that through the product and the science and the psychology from the people in my group. And one of the obvious things we have to do at Joyous is actually ask a question in the first place to get the conversation started and ask it in a way that not only do people feel comfortable giving their feedback, but that also leaders feel comfortable receiving that feedback in a way that, Kind of enables things to change, because <laughs> otherwise, why are you doing it? And for us, there's so much more than just our little tool that the conversations are had in and the insights that we deliver. There's a whole other element to our product, which is the conversation design in the first place, because we initiate the conversations from our end, and it just we have organi- organizational psychologists on our team doing that. And I've just learned so much through the course of evolving how we ask these questions in the first place and asking them in the best way, which is all the obvious stuff like low reading age so that you make sure everybody understands even those who don't speak English as a first language, but particularly the things that we do around asking people about their personal experiences is a big step towards ensuring their psychological safety because you're not asking people about their leaders and their leaders' behaviours. You're asking them about the outcomes of those. For example, we don't ask, my leader gives me clarity on my role. We ask, do you have clarity on your role and what do you need more clarity on? And that's much easier for a person to talk about and also much easier for a leader to go, oh, you need more clarity on that part of your role? No no problem, let's talk about that. So... Yeah, I'm really interested in all the like the steps that we take to to help uplift the psychological safety in the organization and supporting the people and the leaders to be able to do that.
1: The big thing in this being, yeah, to the, the sort of clincher is you have to do it, right? It's like this, you know, if you only ever ask for feedback from your employees via an anonymous survey, right? Like you only ever ask for feedback in secret. You just send this message loud and clear that well, feedback is unsafe. Yeah. And so no matter what you do in that environment, your employee feedback platform will just be reducing your psychological safety. And so if you want to take that on board, then that's what's going to happen.
2: It's interesting because most people would assume, hey, I'm putting this in place so people feel free to share those things. But like you're saying, if there's some stigma there. I only share it now because I have a place to do that where no one knows who I am. So I will only share there, and it probably kills off some of the other ways you could be sharing feedback just through your just through your daily work. And like no, no, I'll reserve it for that time where no one knows it's me, and I'll share it there. Which is again, it's, that's leading to that's leading to, to subpar outcomes you know, overall. Like-
1: like Ruby mentioned that, that we do open feedback, that feedback has your own name attached to it. But
2: actually, I think we, we like to
1: refer to it internally anyway as owned feedback. Yeah, because the problem with that kind of, oh, I only feel safe if I get to talk in secret kind of feedback is basically that as soon as I provide a piece of feedback, by definition almost, it's now someone else's problem, which is not the way that, that psychologically safe organisations work. Because in those sort of organisations, sure, some problems are bigger than just me, but often I have a part to play in the problem, and I want to own the problem being solved. I want to own other people looking
2: at the problem. I'm wrapping my head around that as you're sharing <laughs> it and thinking that's that is a, that's a really incredible way to think about it and to look at that because
0: another another way to oh, put it wow. is dump and run.
2: Yes, um, what is the, monkey management was always like the the term that that we used to to kid around with where someone. You know, comes in and they tell you their problems and they leave the monkey with you and they leave, they feel so much better. Ah, the weight's <laughs> off my shoulders. And I've just, because I've just handed it to you and you have to now carry that and figure out what to do with it.
1: And gosh, and like if you think about, if you think about like traditional approaches to employee feedback, you've got a whole bunch of employees dumping monkeys on their manager and those managers are actually taking those monkeys and sending them to HR. And so, you know, if you're sitting there in people in culture, you've got, truckloads of monkeys you know like so much that you can't actually ever do anything and this is the reality of the the situation you're trying to avoid which is that you want all of the action to occur at the edge you don't want action to only be allowed to occur centrally and that is yeah that's a feature of the modern enterprise isn't it? it's a feature of the agile enterprise it's this idea that like most action will occur at the edge of the organization not occur centrally so it's and ruby has got some phenomenal research on this with enjoyness about how actually most action takes place between employees and their leaders or employees and their squads. Not, okay, we've aggregated this up and now we've built a program.
2: I want to ask you about that, Ruby, if you don't mind, because one of the pieces that you and Mike are throwing around is agile, right? That's part of that. Mm -hmm. And that agile doesn't mean bureaucracy sitting off far removed from the actual things being done, making decisions unilaterally and just crossing their fingers. It was the right one. We'll find out six months from now if everything crashes and burns. Agile is about let's get the decisions closer and closer to the work getting done. Let's shorten the iterations. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of those things that you're seeing there, if you don't mind, Mm -hmm. because I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, some someone called John Olson, who used to be a senior HR leader at Amazon, spent some time with me last year, and he asked me a really provocative question. He asked me, "How do you measure change?" And that sent my head into like a tailspin, and I was like. Holy moly, that is like a million dollar question right there. Because if we can answer that, then basically that there's a return on these conversations that people will be having openly. So if we could demonstrate that within the tool and the conversations taking place, we can actually finally show organizations that this is a meaningful way to shift the organization forward. And inside of our group, we started experimenting um, with how to measure that, and so we trained a model it's not a particularly intense like unsupervised learning model but it is like a machine learning model that was able to identify conversations and comments both from people and the leaders because of course both of them participating in this and we measured the opportunities for change and it was something if I simplify it for you along the lines of if we could find phrases that said things like it would be good if we could what if we tried to those sorts of things so not the actual core theme from the comment but the indication ahead of it or be beyond it that there was action and opportunity for action here and so what we did was we at the end of the year gave out joy awards to all our organizations and the joy award was actually the number of opportunities for change per person per year for that organization and the highest number that we gave out to an organization was 13 and i just want to underscore that was 13 opportunities for change per person in that organization before any senior leader looked at any piece of insider report and did some macro action. That was just occurring instantly inside of the conversations. And on the lower end of the spectrum, we were seeing about five. But that's still a phenomenal number of like opportunities for individuals to see or take part in a change in their organization without having to wait for permission or wait for some report and something to happen two months later that they eventually hear back, oh, maybe there was a fruit bowl put in the the lunchroom. And this is like meaningful stuff happening like instantaneously. And that's just absolutely, from my perspective, game changing, like to actually see that happening inside of the organizations using Joyous.
1: I, I love the way that, like, when people running data science teams, like, just downplay stuff. Yeah, so it's not a particularly sophisticated model. Just it's, the it's, algorithm. It's
2: yeah. Interesting opening. You had it there. laying around over there. <laughs> yeah. So, I was, that I actually might answer this question, because I was going to ask you a question that was kind of related to that after you start talking about measuring impact and change and things like that. I was going to ask you, how do you measure impact? with a client? And is it just, is it volume there? Is it, hey, we this amount of feedback was surfaced and some of those things were acted upon? How are you helping them to see that this is worthwhile because we are not just making this all visible when before it was, maybe it was happening in some other random collection of systems that wasn't being surfaced. Mm-hmm. Talk about how you measure success. Like this, this was a great engagement, that client is happy because X happened.
0: A couple of the things we're doing is what I've already explained to you. So we're measuring the opportunities for change. And inside of the reports that we give, we actually show the total volume of opportunities for change. We've experimented as well with then checking if the loop was closed and going, okay, the leader responded back positively indicating that a change was likely to occur. But that is something we are still playing around with. And really it comes down to like, where does the responsibility lie? And is Joyous going to be the tool that acts as a monitor to see if leaders are doing things or are we there to generate the opportunities for change? And certainly what we're looking at doing is helping to support leaders, to facilitate, oh yeah, there was an opportunity here. I shouldn't forget about this one. So let me like keep track of that and ensure that I've actually gone ahead and done that change later on. That's probably more the space we want to play in. Because as far as being a software company goes, we're really conscious that I always have this, that you can be the good guy or the bad guy. And the bad guy is all about bringing people into the tool and being this watchdog monitor for the organization. And the good guy is really the champion that supports the leaders and the people in, in the most like positive, authentic way. And so that's sort of, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of ethical decisions that we make as we progress the science inside of Joyous and what we're doing.
1: The thing about this too, Ben, is like we're generating conversations and then we've got, yeah, we've got an engine that kind of looks at those conversations. And I think that the, the first thing which we wanted to do was really train an engine to understand opportunities for change. Because- mm. You want to shift the metric, the industry metric of feedback Participation. system. Yeah. You know, yeah. That that are all about like how many, you know, what percentage of people participated in the annual survey. You want to shift that metric to to what opportunities for change were, were stimulated, were generated. But but of fact, course we did we, sorry, yeah, you just
0: rem, you just reminded me actually, Mike, we did a step thing, which now feels like old news to me, but it's probably <laughs> it's probably quite a big shift even before we got to opportunities for change which was because we get we used to get us like most people who come to us and shift to joyous are indoctrinated into that participation thinking mm-hmm. and and like irrationally obsessed with it but then they also force participation so it's like a joke and what we learned quite early on was actually that what you should be measuring is the conversation funnel and what i mean by that is like of the people who were asked to participate, they then went to participate and said something, that's just not enough. It's about the people who heard back from the leader. And that's the point at which we consider this to be a conversation because two people have participated. And in uncovering that and reporting on that, we actually began to play with the data and measure like what effect on conversations does it have if a leader participates versus when a leader doesn't participate. And even just this week, we were looking at figures that were showing within our data set that like a person... Because we do weekly conversations, right, on focused topics. And what we learned was that if this week a leader responds, next week the person is eight times more likely to participate again than if the leader had said nothing the week before. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) So that's another thing we're doing that is really well established in our world now. And on top of that, then we're looking at opportunities for change. And I'm sorry I interrupted you so intensely, but now you can carry on with what you were trying to say. It was
1: not that interesting, Ruby. I was just saying that we're looking at opportunities for change, but there's also, yeah, with open feedback, there's all sorts of other stuff which which occurs because I can also just provide encouragement. Yeah, like I can, someone can say, I don't know, let's say you're asking a typical engagement question about, are you proud at working, you know, here at this company, yeah, you know, I could respond and say, hey, you, you should be proud of working here. Some of that stuff you've been doing is great. You know, there's feedback actually can often just generate an, an opportunity for some encouragement and some optimism. And likewise, you know, if you're receiving feedback from, from someone and you know who it is and you're in communication with them, you can ask for more information or more context. Yeah, you know? someone can say, oh, look, I think that this that this program we're doing is not effective for everyone. And you can say, oh, can you tell me a bit more about that? You know, you know, just that sort of stuff of like actually going Oh. It's not just about change too, there's all this other raft of things, behaviors, which we see when you make feedback open and owned.
0: Mm. That reminds me of a story from a, like a large telco and I was super lucky. I got to train, I got to train the leaders of that telco on on not just the tool, but how to respond to feedback in a meaningful way. And before I did the training, that telco had run this quite lengthy pilot and Leaders from the pilot were in this training session, and I remember that specifically, like one of them was so happy about being able to actually ask more questions that they were like, went on this huge rant in, in the middle of the leader training session going, it is absolutely game changing for me because I often used to see things that I'd like, oh, I want to help with that. I want to ask more questions because I don't know enough, and they just couldn't. And they were like, just that extra step of going, actually, now I know who it is and I can go speak to them and ask for enough context that I can actually do something. They were like, thank God. Uh, it really changed the landscape for them. So yeah, it's a really cool thing.
2: But I think Mike, we, we might've talked this before. I can't remember if we did or not, but it's, it feels like we did. So if, if we didn't just play it cool, act like we did. But it feels like we talked about this in the past where imagine you, someone listening, all right, put yourself in the seat of a leader in an organization, which is what a lot of you are anyway. And imagine you had a way to get a quick answer back from your the people that roll up under you if you had a question about what is not working or what's one thing we could do better. or us insert the question here, right? You probably have some good questions you could throw out there better than I could. But to be able to get a response almost instantly from those people on that, from a diverse set of perspectives, different different levels, different everything, and being able to just tap into that at a moment's notice when something comes up you need to know, I think that's a power that you'd want to, once you have that, you never want to give that up because you suddenly have this clarity, the set of insights and the story you're telling there, Ruby. That person was they had seen that and had seized on that and realized that this is the thing they'd always been looking for and finally had a, a mechanism to actually support it. Yeah,
1: it's and imagine that at scale then. Yeah, this is the thing, right? So the way we talk about it here is that <clears throat> excuse me, that that the um you know, feedback, employee feedback is this hugely valuable and probably finite asset that has been languishing in HR. Like you've had this really powerful tool and what you've been doing with it is you've been doing measurement. You've been measuring engagement, maybe ENPS or employee experience or something. And actually what you really should be doing with this asset is applying it to your biggest business challenges. And what we see in organizations um, is that modern organizations are starting to deploy feedback for, for business outcomes. And those business outcomes might be you know, they've got a transformation project, or they've got a new target operating model, or they're trying to transform their culture. And and very commonly, we're seeing organizations moving to you know an agile structure. And these are actually business challenges that they're going, well, how do we apply feedback to that? And of course, there's you know, there's there's all sorts of science between that yeah about how you use feedback to help drive change. but we also see it just an adoption of processes too when you have made changes, yeah I've, I've, I've got new ways of working. I want to make sure that that people are doing this. find out what challenges they're having with with, with the new process you've made. find out if there's ways you can improve it and so on. And, and so yeah we just see this world you know, of feedback becoming one which is much much more, you know central to decision making processes across the business not just being sitting And it's often managed by the you know the people and culture vertical but it's not a you know it's not for a people and culture measurement exercise anymore
2: asking the surround things one of the one of my favorite questions to ask when i'm talking about change is what are the things that keep your ceo your coo right your cto whoever the, the top leaders in your organization What are the things that keep them up at night? What keep them awake? What worry them? Because you don't know the answers to that as a talent leader, and you're missing a chance to have an impact on those things they care about. And that's what you're talking about here. This isn't about let's just push that engagement score up one more percent, and suddenly we'll be there. But it's, hey, we're making this massive change. And if this is the the forum, the way that we can understand how people feel about it and mitigate those issues before they become something full-blown, heck, yeah, absolutely, let's do that. In addition to all the other things you talked about earlier around we should be doing this or have we thought about this new or different or unique way of approaching this problem, there's definitely the, the opportunity for innovation in that. And one of the things I want you to talk about for a second is how, what does this experience look like if I'm that employee working for that, that telco? What does that experience look like? Am I doing this on a computer, on a mobile? How am I telling those companies what things are popping in my head or response to those questions? Because that's one of the things I was curious about the first time we talked about this. I want to make sure that's really clear for someone listening in how that actually happens because I think that mechanic of it is an important piece too. That's
0: a good question. And one of the things that I'm most impressed by, particularly when I started at Joyous, was the technology and and the approach to how people respond. And Mike and Phil built Joyous for diverse workforces. Right, where diverse means that you're talking about remote people, often out in the field, they don't have an email, a company email address, they don't even have a computer. And the best thing about Joyous is it's a browser based app so there's no app to install from an app store on your phone these don't have to go through email although they can come through email to your desk workers but it works just as well via sms so because you can send a question via sms to someone who just gets directed to a browser and incidentally we know who they are through a token in that link so there's not even a login step required you don't have to worry about app updates any of that like one of my favorite quotes from one of our larger organizations is that the best thing about Joyous is it only takes a field worker two seconds to rate a rated statement and then one minute to answer a question in Joyous. So in terms of like ease of use, but also like just not hampering productivity of a really busy workforce, it's I reckon it's bloody genius.
1: So we have this kind of conversational engine that happens at a at an employee level, you know, where we start conversations on topics which kind of come from the 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 enterprise's own library of things which are important and it's trying to it's trying to you know get conversations going on and then those conversations get asked to the employee and then effectively those answers get routed somewhere and and routing is a big chunk of what joyous is great at so in very traditional organizations you know my feedback goes from me to my boss and maybe from my boss to my boss's boss and so on. But in so many organizations, the appropriate place for feedback might be to go to a subject matter expert. But someone in the field and they're asking a question about, about a particular tool, then you want it to go to the expert on that tool. Likewise, in an agile organization, maybe you want it to go to the, to the product lead in your squad and you want it to go you know, sideways to your chapter lead and, and to, your, to your tribe lead and maybe to an agile coach. Yeah, there might be multiple places where feedback goes. And then once that feedback's been routed, then you get this live feed so if you're an employee sorry a, a leader you'll see all of the different kind of bits of feedback which are relevant to you and then you can you, know, you can respond to that feedback and then the sort of third piece of it which we you know, which yeah you know, by this point yeah you know, we, we don't need to sell this but some of the real gold and joyous is that we take all of those conversations that are happening and there's so much rich data when you're generating two-way conversations and we apply a bunch of our machine intelligence to that, to look for the insights within that, within those conversations on those particular areas, those topics you're interested in. And, you know, those topics might be really standard culture topics. You know, they might be things like culture and environment, fairness and inclusion, well-being. They might be you know, quite specifically related to change in, in an ADCAR model, or they might be related to, to agile mindset and agile ways of working. But we can extract stuff in those topics and give you recommendations of where the roadblocks are and what you should be doing and what the big things that people are are highlighting in their feedback.
2: You said earlier that feedback is finite, is a finite resource. And that might have just been an offhand comment, but it kind of stuck with me. And it feels based on the way that I've seen it approached in organizations where I've led, in organizations where I've been an employee, like you said, it goes if there's feedback that's flowing upward, it goes to that manager, maybe a step beyond that, and then it, it disappears, it's just gone. And so our chance to act is right then, or it never happens. And making it more surfaceable, if that's a word, right? Making, the, making these dis- different pieces of feedback from different people more transparent, more clear, all those things. I was gonna ask a question and I'm trying to think even what the question was now, right? If it's feedback is finite, then so far we haven't make, made good use of that resource. We've not had the tools to, to do that. And what I love about this, right, the routing piece excites me. The ability to do this quickly excites me because when I think about someone that's, that's doing this work at the end of the day, no one goes to work. Like, I can't wait to give some feedback today. That's the only reason I'm here. No, I've got a thing to do. And if it doesn't work, I want to tell someone so I can do it next time and it to work. Right? It's about solving those, even a little problem, multiplied across a, a workforce can become a big problem and expensive one too. So I'm, I'm just excited about the different ways, different applications of this. In addition to all the people and culture kind of things, tell me about whether, you're, whether you feel appreciated or what the example you gave earlier, th- those things have a place. But the things that really excite me are the ones that might have nothing to do at all with any of the stuff that, that we talk about on the HR kind of side day to day, because it ultimately solves some business problem that until now, no one really knew was an issue until someone you know, was able to address it. You know, ben, it.
1: we have we have in our largest in our largest clients, and so you know, some of our largest clients have got maybe fifty thousand people using Joyous, and so some big workforces there. And what we've found is that this may be started as as something which was owned by the the transformation office or some somewhere in ops or somewhere in people in culture, but it's got to this point where internally now they're actually building a structure, a kind of council around feedback, so that they actually can bid on using the tool, you know, of going, okay, actually, it's our turn to get our key business outcomes to get the tool focused on that within our cohort. And there's sort of so much demand for feedback that has actually become something where you're going, okay, one of the functions that Joyous is now is now fulfilling is actually, you know, we're the kind of with the bidding table on who's going to use Who's going to use feedback this month? Which is fascinating to me, and given that feedback used to be like some arduous thing shoved down people's throat. And you, you mentioned that no one comes to work wanting to give feedback, but the reality of it is, is almost everyone comes to work wanting their voice to be heard. But like o- almost everyone wants that to be a thing. And by the way, when I give feedback and then someone responds and something happens, that's like a drug I get addicted to. That's, that's the same kind of instantaneous gratification I get from, I don't know, posting on Instagram or something. But it's actually kind of part of the zeitgeist that like that that i get a response from something i get used to them so i think that there's you know like some of these shifts might seem quite subtle but actually it's just because the tools are catching up to the catching up to the way people work and think
2: ruby i was ask you any final thoughts on this anything that that you didn't get a chance to share before we start wrapping up because i i've got so many questions against swirling in my head this has been so tremendous and this excites me on a lot of levels of think about it solving some, some real problems organizations are facing. Anything that's top of mind for you before we wrap up?
0: I think you just need to bring it back to psychological safety at the end of the day. If you're a senior leader in any department in an organization and you're one of the people walking around going trust is an important thing in this organization for us, we want people to feel comfortable, then if you're not asking for open feedback on a regular basis where people are forced to self-reflect, on their own experiences and provide that input and ideas back into the organization what does it say about you as a leader and what does it say about your organization if you're not doing that and you're doing anonymous surveys like if you care about trust you really need to think about what you're doing that's what I think
2: I had teased it earlier and then never came back to it because we got down that conversation thread but the the book that I thought of, I read years ago called the respect effects and to paraphrase he talks about Th- this whole essence of psychological safety is when you come to work, if you are having to use some portion of your energy, your brain power, your focus to make sure your shields are up, then you're never able to fully devote and commit all that you have to offer to your actual work. And so you're always working at partial capacity and partial creativity and partial whatever it is because you're having to do that. So psychological safety, I mean, when I hear you talk about that, it's it's about taking that away so you can, every single yeah. person can then come and, yeah. and be able to give everything they have.
0: And you know what, like the cost of constantly filtering yourself, filtering the feedback you give so that it's like appropriate for the level of psychological safety in that organization. If it's low, it's bloody taxing, eh? So like an individual is like low as a result of that, let alone the outcomes of the organization. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Absolutely. Awesome. Mike, this has been a a fun conversation. I've enjoyed it so much. If someone wants to know more about Joyous, what you and the team are up to, how to connect, what's the best way to, to do that?
1: Look, um, just come to our website, know, yeah, joyoushq.com. Yeah, you can see lots of. We've got a ton of content on there. know, yeah, if you go to our blog or our resources, there's actually just so much information from case studies and about the science and so on. And we've been, yeah, we've been at the forefront of really open sourcing everything we do. So even if you wanna, you wanna see the kind of conversation starters that we ask and in, in different topics, whether it's around agile or around, you know, um, around culture and so on, you can actually just find all that stuff right our, our kind of view is that the kind of crazy black box of history around employee feedback has to finish this idea that there's some kind of mysterious science and it's you know only known to a few as just bs that actually basically we're just saying hey let's make as much of this information available as we can yeah and obviously we we hold on to a, a few things in, in our algorithms but basically you come to um, joyoushq.com and you can actually find out ton of stuff. It'll just be helpful. That's that's the way we see it. Okay,
2: excellent. I'm actually going to do you one better. I'll go and take a look before I post this. I'll take a look at that and find my favorite case study and get that one in the show notes too, in addition to just a link to Joya so people can can see which one's my favorite because I'd love for them to to dig into that as well. So. I appreciate both of you for joining me. It is early and you're part of the world right now while we're recording this. And so I really appreciate you for hanging out, for sharing your insights. This has been tremendous. And it is my hope that everyone listening to this goes away with a different thinking around feedback. And I'm, again, some of the big takeaways here, right? The, The confidential private feedback stuff, reinforces the wrong kind of message long-term we're telling them that that's something that, that uh, feedback is something to be hidden from or hidden away or something private. And I don't think that's the right way to go. So I think there's some good things in this discussion that really came out. So thank you both for hanging out with me. It's been great. Yeah, it's of fun. Awesome. Awesome. And Ruby, before we finish recording first podcast, thumbs up, thumbs down.
0: Yeah, I can take it off my bucket list. I had a good time.
2: <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. Thank you Thanks to, for to you both. Absolutely. To everybody else, thank you for hanging out with us on We Are Only Human. I am Ben Eubanks, your host, and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I am honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take ten seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives visit onlyhumanshow.com.